was immediately guilty in the eyes of police. I was arrested. I spent 28 days in Crawford County Jail. I've been called a murderer, a baby killer. My family was even bullied, even my kids. I was put on trial for a murder I didn't commit. I've struggled to obtain a job after these false accusations, despite the fact I was acquitted. Before all this happened, before my life was changed by all of this, I was a normal person just like you. I did all the things normal people do in their daily lives. A stereotypical and far from perfect man in my 30s, I have been married, divorced, a proud girl dad, and I am one of the over 10 million people who have been affected by the opioid epidemic. At the time, I was also taking care of my elderly father that lived with me. I was someone who had never been in trouble with the law. In fact, my only interaction with the law prior to this was a no seatbelt ticket. I met Eva in 2017, and our relationship started pretty quick. A year into our relationship, Eva was pregnant and we were getting married. Both being addicts, things were far from perfect. Hindsight is 2020. And looking back on things now, sober with a clear head, I can see all the things I desperately tried to overlook back then. The week of the murder was like every other week. Olivia had been sick, so on the 7th I had been taking care of her. We baked cookies. It was nothing out of the ordinary as far as our daily lives. In the early morning hours of the 8th, the day of Olivia's murder, Olivia had woken up and I asked Eva if I should go to another room so I could get some sleep. And then Olivia, I don't even remember if she cried. I just remember a sound. And I got up and I put her beside me. And um, she laid there for about five minutes and she kept saying no. Just saying no. She wasn't whining or nothing. But Jordan, he wasn't mad. He just said, do I need to go to the other room because I'm tired? And I was like, no, we will. Eva said no and got up. That's the last thing I remember before falling back to sleep. At some point in the night, she came back in because when I woke up the next morning, the room was dark and it was quiet, and Eva was lying next to me. Eva and Olivia were asleep, or so I thought. Having known Olivia was up around 4 a.m. that morning, the last thing I wanted to do was wake her up. I know other parents who have experienced the sleepless exhaustion that goes hand-in-hand with being a parent will understand that. Like most addicts affected by the opioid epidemic or any other addiction, I woke up that morning looking for pills. We were starting the process of trying to get sober. We had gone to Suboxone treatment the night before and didn't want to go into withdrawal. I got up quietly as to not wake Olivia. I told Eva that I was going to get pills and left the house. One thing led to another. I know that morning will be covered in great detail on this podcast, and you'll hear my police interview, so I'll move along. Several hours later, I was finally picking up the pills with some friends of mine who were also addicts. Eva had been texting me wanting me to come home with the drugs before I took my friends back home. I had a card that belonged to my friend that he needed back anyway, so I figured I would go back to the house to make Eva happy and get my friend's card I had forgotten to bring with me. At the time, I didn't think it was weird. She was so insistent that I come home before taking them back home, and I needed to get his card anyways. Like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. I went back to the house. I went inside, went to the bathroom to crush up the pills and get the card. Eva did her share of the drugs. Next thing I know, I hear screaming. Something's wrong with Olivia. In a panic, I call 911. 
It is. Crawford County 911. Hey, uh, hey. Uh, let me call you right back. Once I had dispatch on the phone, I realized I'm not exactly sure why I was even calling. So I told them I'd call back and went to figure out what was going on. It was also frantic at the time. Eva was holding Olivia. I couldn't really see much. My heart was racing. I used my finger to quickly check for a pulse. I thought I felt one, but with the frantic state I was in, I now realized that was probably my own heartbeat. I call 911 back and tell them we need an ambulance. Crawford County 911. Hey, can we have an ambulance sent to 2210 Granite Circle? 2210 Granite Circle in Van Heeren? I don't know who... Uh, 22 Granite Circle in Van Buren, Arkansas. All right, give me one moment. Let me get your name, Buren. All right, thank you. Thank you. I got nervous about the drugs I knew were in the bathroom, and I told Eva she needed to do her drugs so they wouldn't be out. And that's when I did my pill, and I guess Jordan uh, thought that I didn't. I don't think he did his because I scared him. And he was like... Uh, Eva go get that before the ambulances get here. And I was like, Jordan, I did mine a long time ago. It was his. And in panic mode, I didn't even realize I hadn't taken my share of the drugs. I then realized EMS were on the way and I had my drug friends in the car. Not thinking clearly, I ran out to the car to take them back home. I figured I would get them back home and come back home to find EMS there and figured we would go to the hospital if we needed to or I could meet them at the hospital. I ended up being gone longer than I realized. I called Eva seven times for an update. My ex-wife called me about my daughter, and we were on the phone longer than I realized. I get back home to find crime scene tape up. I expected to find EMS at the house, or for Eva to be at the hospital with Olivia. When I saw the crime scene tape, I was confused, but I figured it was because maybe they found drugs. I did not realize Olivia was seriously harmed, much less murdered. I arrived back to 2210 Granite Circle, and my life has never been the same. My name is Jordan Michael Shreve. On this season of The Sojo Files, you will be hearing about my case, the state of Arkansas versus Jordan Shreve. But I wanted you to hear it from me, the real person behind the story, first. Today marks the one-year anniversary of the day I was acquitted of murder. But this case is far from over. It's been over three years since Olivia was murdered, and no one has been held accountable. This case hardly made local news, and when it did, it was filled with inaccuracies, sometimes flat-out lies. This case got no attention. Was it because people didn't care? Because we were drug addicts? Because Olivia wasn't considered newsworthy? I don't know. But I wanted to personally thank each and every one of you who takes the time to listen to my case, to learn the facts, who helps clear my name, and most importantly, everyone who helps fight for justice for Olivia because Olivia deserves justice.